It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. Listen to Matt Slick Live. If you want to join in, as usual, all you got to do is give me a call at 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you. Give me a call. And uh, we don't have anybody. Let me try this again in English. We don't have anybody waiting on the phone right now, and that's okay. Not a big deal. But uh, if you're new to this show, what we do here is... um, I do apologetics to defend the Christian faith. That's what I do. I enjoy doing it. Last night I did it for a while, and uh, on Wednesday night I did it for a while, and had a good time. Oh boy, excuse me. Oh, that's a good yawn. Oh, you know, I've been on this carnivore diet, and um, so I've lost 15 pounds. Okay, it, it works. But for uh, on Monday it'll be four weeks, and uh, so you're not supposed to have any real sugar. Okay. So I've had to start drinking coffee with nothing in it. Let me tell you, at first, that was brutal. <laughs> Just like, man, it was brutal. But uh, I'm getting to the point where I don't mind. And uh, so that's good. I'm going to start having my coffee black. And uh, it's it just, you know, no big deal. So if you see me drink some coffee, <laughs> I'll wait, you're watching. And I make a weird face, that's why. Anyway, there you go, there you go. And um, I think that's it. Okay, so why don't you give me a call, 877-207-2276. And if I don't hear from you, what I'm going to do is go into the hate mail and some uh, uh, radio questions. Now, I actually got a hate mail. I actually got one. Now, normally I would save it till Friday when we do hate mails. That's tomorrow. But, uh, you know, we do some wacko mail. We do some... uh, just Q&A and things like that. But i, I got to get into this. Uh, this, this uh, what? what, what it's, 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 okay. I got I got I did. I got a hate mail. I can't find it. Oh, that is so frustrating. Oh, man. I, I love hate mail. You know, if you... Uh, okay, here we go. I found it. Okay. <laughs> I found the hate mail. Oh, I'm so excited. So, look, I'm going to read some hate mail. Okay, just one. And, uh, I, you know, there's something wrong with me, obviously, because because I enjoy it so much. I've always enjoyed hate mail when people uh, just email something vitriolic. And I can't read everything that they say because sometimes it's pretty foul. But uh, I do enjoy uh, hate mail. And I'm going to read something right now. I'm just excited. I am. Matt Slick, you're completely wrong, and you completely make actual Christians look bad, and you do more driving a wedge between people in Christianity than bringing people to the true religion. Man, see, it's, it's a run-on sentence. Now, here's one of the things I always do when I'm discussing hate mail, is I analyze the grammar and syntax. Because, look, I have to take a big breath. And read the whole thing like it's like they, they've written it. And it can be hard sometimes. I mean, I'm 66. I'm not as young as I used to be. Take one big breath and then go on for five hours reading something. No. I mean, you got to be merciful to me here. 
All right, so uh, I'm completely wrong, and I make actual Christians look bad uh, because I'm driving a wedge between people and Christianity. And then uh, that's what I'm doing. He says, okay, I've heard a lot of your work, and you can do nothing but boast and berate your opponent. (laughs) I love that. I can do nothing but boast. So that's all I do. You can understand the logic here. When someone says, the only thing you do, you do nothing but boast. Well, if the, here's what you get. If you do nothing but boast, how can I also berate? Because logically, if the only thing you're doing, nothing but this, then you're not doing anything else. So if you're doing nothing but boasting, then you don't have time to berate anybody. So how can I be doing nothing but boasting and also berating people? Because then it's, it's not nothing. It's not doing. He should have said, you mostly boast and uh, often berate. That's what he should have said. Now, it's not true, but that's what he should have said if he's going to get into some good, uh, good grammar you know, and, and stuff like that. And so uh, I, I just love this stuff. I do. I just do. If you hate me. I wish you didn't, but if you do, and you want to just have some good hate mail read on the air, just email it to me at info at karm.org. You can say, Matt, you're an obsequious, craven sycophant. You can say, um, you can say, you know, you're, you, uh, <laughs> you can say you obstreperous moron. You can do whatever you want. You know, and, uh, and and I will just probably go over the air and read it. Now, I've had a couple, I told people before this on the radio, and I had some Christians write me some hate mail. <laughs> people who love me, they wrote me some hate mail. And it was fun to read because I could tell they were just trying to fill the, the gaps. Hey, here's a hate mail for you. Matt, you couldn't think, you know, you don't think any faster than a glacier moves, you know, just stuff like this. It was pretty good. So uh, I'm just. There's more to this hate mail. I'll get to the rest of it, but I'm just. Uh, I'm enjoying it. All right, I am. All right. Uh, that's not what Jesus taught us to do. Your Calvinisty, Calvinisty. I have never heard that word before. I've never read that word before. Calvinisty view have warped your mind on Jesus teaching. There's no punctuation. It's just your Calvinistic view have warped your mind on Jesus' teaching. Wow. You know, I, could, I understand what he's saying. And I, what I wish this person would do, Paul, what I wish you would do if you're listening is to call me up and discuss it on the air. You can, you can say you don't like God's sovereignty. You can say you don't like the fact that God chooses and predestines and elects people. That's what the Bible says. You can tell me how you don't like it and maybe how you follow the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Caucasian surfer Jesus, you know, standing at the door of your heart asking permission for you in your wisdom to let him in. Maybe that's who you follow. I don't know. I follow the one who elects and who predestines, because that's what the Bible says. And if anybody doubts it, call me up, and we'll discuss it. And I know, you know, I talk about this on the radio. Actually, years ago, I'm doing radio. This is my t- over 20 years now, 18, five days a week, and, and uh, two years, one day a week. So I've been doing radio for 20 years. When I first started doing it, uh, you know, five days a week, I was pretty much told by different networks, <laughs> don't bring up your Calvinism. And I said, but... Look, because they don't want to cause a needless division, because it's a controversial thing, people say. And I say, yeah, only if you don't believe the Bible. <laughs> and that just makes them, whoa, whoa, you know. And so, um, 
So, you know, for the first like six months when I was doing radio five days a week, I didn't say anything about Reformed theology. People call up, you know, and they'd say, are you a Calvinist? And I, what do you do? You know, ignore the question, not tell them the truth. I said, well, yeah, I am. And uh, then they go, well, how could you be? Well, this is how. And we'd be discussing it. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard people say that they got so upset with everything that I was saying. And then they started checking the scriptures. And it's like, well, that is what it says. <laughs> That's right there. And so, uh, any rate, anyway. So my Calvinisty view have... See, Calvinisty would be uh, a single, you know, singular. So it should be the view has, not have, that's plural. Warped your mind on Jesus' teaching. Um, I don't know. I could find everything I'm teaching in Jesus. Uh, anyway, and it is ashamed, and it is ashamed more and more Christian influencers. Oh, at least I guess I'm a Christian influencer. Thank you. And it is ashamed more and more Christian influencers are becoming just like you, driving people from God. I don't drive people from God. I try and get them to believe in the true God and not the tripe that's being taught from so many pulpits all across America with the feel-good, blonde-haired, black Caucasian surfer Jesus image, and it's all up to you and your wisdom, blah, blah, blah. And it is not, okay? Anyway, um, and, and I'm telling you, the Christian church in America is not doing that well, and, and, and mostly. And there's some good churches and good preachers out there. You know, Vody Bakum, man, he's good, okay? And Paul Washer, these are good preachers. Uh, I wish I was a, as good a preacher as those guys. But I'm just telling you what the scriptures tell us. But no, no, no. What do they do? They go, no, you know, ask Jesus into your heart and you'll have a wonderful life. And and Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life and he wants you to be healthy and wealthy. And it's up to you. It's up to you uh, in your wisdom to just let him and give him permission. Like one of the worship songs I've heard is, is, you know, God, I give you permission to come in and do something. I'm like, what a heretical piece of crud. I give you permission. What a bunch of just theological tripe. It is horrible. I need to do a whole section on analyzing modern-day uh, Christian lyrics and songs because a lot of them are really bad. Now, I like Christian music. I love modern Christian music. I do. But sometimes you hear some stuff, and it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, you should run it by a, a competent theologian who knows, knows some stuff instead of just writing it. Hey, it rhymes, so it's okay. No, it's not. Yeah, I'm just getting off the off the rails here. Hold on. I had to cough. Okay. Now, uh, so I'm going to reread the last sentence, and then I'll continue. It's just a little bit more of the hate mail. And it is ashamed more and more Christian influencers are becoming just like you, driving people from God. Uh, you should reread your Bible and pray on your understanding of the gospel messages, I hope, and pray you won't... Be judged too harshly for the people you have sent to hell. Hmm. Now, here's that's the end of the, the hate mail. Now, I could give a lesson on how to write a better hate mail because you need the proper grammar. You need to you know to, to know what it says. It makes sense. But also, I would say, then tell me what the true stuff is, because just to throw mud, and you know, you're just bad. I don't like you. You're no good. All right, that's fine. Okay, what I do wrong? Oh, you know. No, no, I don't. What I say, you know, that's so wrong. Oh, don't lie to me. You know, I get that. I get that from people. 
You know, I do. You know, yeah, you're so stupid. So the thing is that uh, I ask him for specifics. And when you ask for specifics, sometimes they get uppity. They get obstreperous. They get boisterously recalcitrant. Uh, they become vitriolic. Okay, the, the contrary to somniferous. They do all this kind of stuff. Uh, contemporaneously trying to sound intelligent. So I love big words. So there you go. There you go. And uh, I wish that they would tell me what uh, I've said wrong and also what the right thing is because it's just, you know, complaints. Ah, you know, I feel refreshed. I do. Hate mail refreshes me. Man, is that what the, that's weird. <laughs> so let's get on the air with uh, Joseph from Utah. Joseph, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. Uh, I'm finally going to be able to go to that church that you recommended finally because now I'm getting oh. Sundays off. So I'm happy Good. about that. The question I had, though, was actually about the show The Chosen. What is your What are your thoughts on that show? Well, I, I've really enjoyed it, uh, it. I've watched every episode, and uh, there's a bit of a controversy of late on it with a, a pride flag on set. And uh, I wrote something, and then I need to revisit that article uh, in that uh, they allowed it to be there because people can wear crosses they can wear different things and hats and shirts and someone had that and so they weren't so you know that's all i know but i don't know all the details you need to find out more details but uh, aside from that okay. I've, I've enjoyed it and um i'd rather the gospel get preached than not preached okay and uh, jesus be proclaimed right. and not yeah, proclaimed. Hey, hold, wanting you hold on man we got a break can you hold on sorry man we got a break hold okay on. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Three open lines, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. <laughs> I, I got to stop reading the text between the shows. Made me laugh. All right, let's get back on to uh, here with Joseph. Joseph, you still there? I'm still here. All right, so I actually forgot where we were. The, oh, the chosen. That's right. We were talking yeah, about the a, chosen yet. Yeah, there's a. Uh, a text in Philippians 1, 15 through 18. It says, Some to be sure, preaching Christ from envy and strife. Let her do it out of love, etc. The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition. I'm skipping stuff. What then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed? And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. And so, uh, you know, I do rejoice that the chosen is uh, well done. Millions are seeing it, and that Christ is being proclaimed. So that, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So the problem my mom is having with it, she's saying that I don't remember seeing the stuff in the Bible, and it's like, well, you know, things like Nicodemus, they don't tell you everything about Nicodemus in the Bible, so this is probably based on historical knowledge of what he was like during the time that he was, you know, for the show. But she's like, I don't understand it. It's not in the Bible. Michael, think about things like David. Not every part of his life was in the Bible. Just bits and right. pieces of his life. When he became king, yeah, there was more of it, but 
for the most part. Well, yeah, um, it's like the, the movie, you know, Ten Commandments, you know, with Charlton Heston. There's a lot in there. It's literary license taken to make a movie work, and this is expanding a great deal. And and you know, I, I don't have any problem with that, as long as you're not violating what the scripture says. Okay. And the other question I had had to deal with the discussion that you were having yesterday. I only caught the very tail end of it. It sounded like you guys were talking about the rapture and how the rapture. Oh yeah. Is the bad people, but not the not God's people. No. No, the rapture is the the taking of the good people into heaven. That's going to happen. But the verses okay. where it says two men are in the field, one is taken, one is left, people commonly refer to that as rapture verses. Those verses are not about the rapture. They're about the wicked being taken in the context. I show this to people that are stunned. Oh. But you know, I can read it to you. I can show it to you in Scripture. Okay, it yeah, is the case. You want, you want to hear it? You want to know? Yeah, no, okay. I... Yes, yes, please. I de- definitely. Okay, I'll tell you what. Um, what I'm going to do is go to. Uh, I have on my Bible program. I have it open. I'm going to go to Matthew 24:37 and Luke 17:26. And what I'm going to do is read uh, from Matthew 24, and then I'm going to go back to Luke 17. And you'll see. All right. It says, uh, for uh, the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, now notice this, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage till the day that Noah entered the ark, the they, okay? And they did not understand till the flood came in, took them all away. So who's the they? It's the wicked. And we know that because we go to... we go to Luke yeah. seventeen twenty six. It says uh, they were oh, twenty seven. They were eating. They were drinking. They were marrying. The same thing as as twenty twenty four. It says in back to seventeen of Luke seventeen. It says they were eating. They were drinking. They were marrying. They were being given in marriage till the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came in, destroyed them all. So the ones who were destroyed are the ones who are eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage. You with me? Yeah. Better? Okay, that's what it says, right? So I'm Luke 17, yeah. 27 says that the ones who were eating, drinking, and marrying, and being given in marriage are the ones who were destroyed in the flood. That's what it says. Now we go to back yeah. to Luke 20, uh, Matthew 24. Uh, as it wasn't those, those days before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. That's the wicked. Until the day that Noah entered the ark, and that they did not understand, till the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of man will be. There'll be two men in the field. One will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding. One will be taken. One will be left. Who's taken? The good or the wicked? Okay. It's the wicked. Okay. Yeah. So that's what it says. All right. And like that. and. Yeah, this and I'll show you something here. But and the, you go back to Luke seventeen, the same things being talked about there. And they asked them. They said, "Where, Lord? Where are they taking him? Where, where's it going to be taken?" And then he actually answers the question. The ones who are taken, he says, "Where the body is, there also the vultures will be gathered." That's where they're taken to. So those verses are not about the rapture. Now the rapture occurs. As Thessalonians 4, 16 through chapter 5, verse 2. The rapture is real. Now, when it's going to occur, that's a different thing. But these verses, which are so commonly referred to as the rapture verses, have nothing to do with the rapture. 
And why is it that pastors all over mm-hmm. the United States are teaching this and not reading the context and doing their homework? If they can't get that right and it's so easy, how can we trust them to get other stuff right that's more complicated? That's my question. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think you're pushing people away. I think you're helping to open eyes so people who are blind still get to see the truth. So I think you're doing a great job, Matt. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And, you know, a segue off of that, what you just said, one of my philosophies is I tell pastors, preachers, teachers to, to preach to thin the church out. What I mean by that is don't preach to please people. Preach the truth that pleases God. And the nature of the truth is that sometimes people are going to be offended. They should not preach to get people in. If they are doing that and judging the success of their ministry by how many people are in the seats, then they are committing a form of idolatry, a form, in that they're looking to statistics and numbers of people as the measurement of goodness and not the faithfulness of the preaching of the Word of God by the Word of God, by God's standard. And so they're putting something else there that they're looking to as success rather than faithfulness to God's Word. And this is something that we all have to be careful of. And I'm guilty of it, too, in that if my Bible study has a lot of people, I feel better. I feel more affirmed. But I have to always remember and remind myself that I'm not there to please them. I mean, you know, I am. And, you know, I mean, you know, ultimately I'm there to please God and to preach what God wants. So if people don't want to hear it, then that's between them and God. Hopefully it's by the issue of that and not my just bad teaching style and, and difficulty and stuff like that. But you see my point, though? Yeah, exactly. I see. I, I totally get where you're coming from. I like all of your messages. Every time I'm on my way home from work, I listen to you, and I agree with you 100%. So I'm on your side, Matt. You're doing a good job. Well, good. Well, praise God. Praise God. Um, you know what? I'm going to probably be going down to Utah in the next few weeks. Uh, just And I might mention it on the air if I'm going to be down there for a day or two because a friend of mine, Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson, are going to be opening up a, a nice uh, building uh, for ministry work. We'll be going down there for grand opening whenever that happens and some other stuff. So I'll let people know over the air. We could all meet at that place and uh, have fun. It'll be fun. You know, I'd like to meet people on the radio. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, I'll let you get into other calls because... You know, other people want to be heard and talk to you, and I just appreciate you, and God bless you, and you have a great rest of your day. You too, man. God bless, and thanks. Appreciate it. All right, that was Joseph. Let's get on the air with John from Salt Lake City. John, oh, man, boy, there's a break. Sorry, John. Right there with the music. Can you please hold, and we'll get right back to you after the after the break. Hey folks, if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Let's get back on the air with John from Salt Lake City. John, welcome. You're on the air, man. Thanks, Matt. Um, My question is, I don't understand why. I believe God says and does everything for a reason, but I don't know why 
he used the symbol of the snake, like Moses' staff turned into a snake, and then out in the desert, he said those that, you know, when he lifted up the snake in the desert, those that looked to it were healed. And to me, oh. kind of uh, the symbol has always been a bad thing, and I don't the, uh, understand why he would, yeah. why that, why he used okay. that particular so, symbol. So Jesus says in John twelve thirty two, uh, "If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself." Lifted up, and he became sin. So we start with Christ, and we work backwards. And when we see that the uh, the serpent, the, the brazen serpent that was lifted up, and people looked upon that serpent, then they were healed, they were uh, made whole. That serpent was a symbol of sin. Jesus became sin on our behalf. Second Corinthians five twenty one. He bore our sin in his body on the cross. First Peter two twenty four. So those who looked upon that image by faith were healed those who look upon Christ by faith will be saved will be healed from their sins that's what's going on that's why that image is used because the thing that the devil wanted to use to damn becomes the thing that God uses to save so the serpent in the garden slithered and did all that stuff and deceived and, and did that so it's a symbol of sin so the issue of raising the serpent to brazen, brazen means judgment too. The, uh, the bronze serpent is, has to do with uh, judgment uh, because it can withstand heat and fire. And it's, it's typologically of, of judgment. Now as to the, the issue of why um, turned into a snake, uh, Aaron's uh, rod, I don't know about that one. That one, I, I just don't have a typological uh, understanding of it. I, I, yeah, I, I was, that was Moses' staff anyway, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay I actually have another question I'd like your sure. opinion on it. I've been sure. uh, kind of church shopping, okay. and um, I kind of have a bad feeling about churches that allow unspoken prayer requests because I have a family member that is in the occult that is a, straight up against the church, and they will use that as to say, I want you to fail. They're the ones wait, putting in these requests. Wait, 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 I don't understand. Let's unspoken, back up. So unspoken churches that prayer request. Allow oh. unspoken prayer request. Okay, let me, let, let's talk about that. So you, what's an unspoken prayer request? How do you have a prayer request if it's not verbally asked? That's what I'd like to know because I've I've seen I've noticed that they'll you know if they have here's our list of prayer requests and they'll see somebody's put in an unspoken one and that's what I don't trust. Okay. Because well then I know go ask the elders. People go ask. Yes, people will actually request just the opposite. They will people on on, the side will be hold on hold on. That's a different topic. You need to go to the elders and, and ask, what's this about an unspoken? What does it mean, unspoken? So it might be that someone has wrote, written a note and saying, please don't share this publicly, but I need prayer with or about or whatever it is. And so then uh, they might say there's an unspoken one. They, maybe that's what they mean. So you got to go find out what they mean. Okay? Okay. Yeah, because uh, I, I know from personal experience that 
some of those are being used against you. Some what? Some an unspoken prayer. An enemy of the gospel of the church will say, "Agree with me in prayer that I want you to fail." Okay, uh, you're, you're confusing me even more. So we're talking about a church service here, where they have prayer time, and that people use that to condemn others and and have them just be destroyed. That's, but that that's not what would work. No, it's not. Well, I don't. I don't get it because in a you know I've been to church you know many thousands you know thousands of times, and uh, uh, you know you have prayer requests, you lift them up. Okay, so you talk about the unspoken. So you need to go yeah. find out what these unspoken things are instead of assuming that it's somehow a negative prayer that people are saying in, in there. And you don't have to worry about that because prayers are answered by God. And he says, yes, no, or wait. So that's, you know, that's what you got to do. You got to find out, okay? Okay. Thank you. All right. Um, okay, thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Right, well, God bless. Okay, bye. Thank you, too. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, we have four open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Let's get to Fred from Texas. Fred, welcome. You're on the air. Fred, can you hear me, you sir? I can hear you. Yes, I'm here. I can hear you. Mm-hmm. So what do you got? How are you? You sound pretty slick tonight, sir. <laughs> Yes, I am uh, slick. My, that is I totally know. true. <laughs> yeah, my, I know my jokes land like a lead plane over the ocean, but so <laughs> I, I just wanted I just wanted to uh, ask a question for a dear friend of mine and hero that listens to your show. Uh, sure. So, can you explain how the Holy Spirit is a real person? To the audience right. and to uh, people listening on Clubhouse? Yes, a person, we don't say person uh, the way you and I are a person, individual beings. The theological term person in reference to the Trinity has a slightly different meaning. Sim- very similar, but a slightly yeah. different. In that uh, a person theologically has emotions, is self-aware, can speak, can say you and yours and me and mine, has a will, can love, can hate. And so we as persons can do those things, but our personhood is not limited to the physical because what we are internally in our spirit, our soul, is where our personhood rests. Likewise with, uh, with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has these attributes of personhood as well. The Holy Spirit loves, in, for example, Romans 15.30. Now, I heard you, brethren, by the, our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit. Or uh, in Romans 8.27, it says, uh, and he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So the Spirit has a mind. And then the Holy Spirit speaks in Acts 8.29, for example. And the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Oh, Acts 11.12, and the Spirit told me to go with him without misgivings. In 13.2, and while we're ministering in the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. So we see those kind of things. We have that. I can read more, but I have, I'm looking at my my article I've written about this on the Holy Spirit. Okay, It's called Verses Showing Identity, Ministry, and Personhood of the Holy Spirit. I'm just reading through those. And so the Holy Spirit has awareness of goodness. 
That's Acts 15.28. The Holy Spirit can be lied to, Acts 5.3. Can be tested, Acts 5.9. Makes overseers, Acts 20.28. Can be a witness, uh, Acts 5.32. Can be resisted, Acts 7.21. So uh, there's lots of stuff like that, and there's more. There's a lot more attributes and stuff that the Holy Spirit does. He loves, you know, uh, I mean, Romans 15.30 and, and stuff, so... He speaks, he has a will, and so he has personhood. That's what it is. Okay. Okay, and uh, sir, how do I how do I present this information in a way as to not like win the argument, so to speak? Like, I don't want the W, so to speak. I want the person on the other end of the uh, conversation to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person he it, I, he is not an it it is not an it it is a he how do i how do i how do i ask correctly questions. Uh, ask questions say can you if the holy spirit is just a force and non-personal can you then maybe you could work out work these, through these verses together how is it that he speaks and has a will and loves and says you and yours and me and mine since that's what the Father does, and that's what Jesus does, so maybe we can work them out together. And you ask them to to go through those verses, okay? All right. Are you Thank there? Thank you, sir. Yes, okay. I'm here, sir. To, Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, um, go to the article there. Um, go to the article on Carm. Have you been to the website Carm.org? Uh, I have not. <laughs> you got to go check it out. It's my website that I've been working on uh, with some help from a few others, but for almost 28 years okay. now. Okay. And it's had 157 Okay, well, thank you. So it's big. And so carm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G, and just look up verses showing the personhood of the Holy Spirit, and you'll find it. There's a list, okay? All right? Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Okay. thank you very much, sir. Okay. Well, God bless. We'll see you. Hey, folks, we have wide-open lines, nobody waiting. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. I don't think we have anybody waiting. That looks like an odd little thing there. All right, what I'm going to do is go to some um, some emails, because people sometimes email me. And if you want to email me a comment or a question, all you got to do is uh, just send the email to info at karm.org. Info at karm.org. And uh, just, you know, Put it in as uh, oh, okay. I see we do have people coming in. Good, and um, just put a you know radio comment or a radio question. That's all you got to do. All right, let me just jump on. I th- I don't know. That's something kind of strange. I'll wait. I'll just do an email, and uh, we'll get to that first. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. How about oh, that's a long one. Can't do the long ones. Hello, this is so and so. You asked me to compliment you. <laughs> I did? Okay. So your voice is very, very nice. Please send me the resources you mentioned during our conversation. 
tonight. Thank you for. Uh, you know what? I don't know the context of that. Uh, don't know what, when, and where. So, sorry about that. I do get compliments on my voice, though. Uh, that's kind of neat. Let's see. Um, okay, let's get to. Let's get to this. Let's get to Carson from Utah. Hey, Carson, welcome. You're on the air. Hi. Can you hear me all right? Yes, I can. I hear you fine. What do you got, man? Well, in Genesis, I believe the term comes up twice. Uh, The sons of God, and I'm speaking about, it says, it it, uh, says that the sons of God looked upon the daughters of men and took for themselves Mm -hmm. wives. And... (laughs) In my family, we kind of debate, go back and forth who this, who these sons of God are. Um, mm-hmm. I lean towards an- angelic creatures, ange- like angels, Good. and I want your Good. take. I agree with you. I agree with you. So uh, I just did a search in my Bible program for the term sons of God in the entire Bible, and uh, several occur in the New Testament, but that's different than the Old Testament. So let's go through the ones. I think there's like five in the Old Testament. Sons, not son, but sons of God, plural. And if you want, you can write these verses down and uh, uh, I'll the address. You can check them out. So first is Genesis 6-2, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men who were beautiful and took for themselves the wives. And then in verse 4, you know, Genesis 6-4, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men. Job 1.6 Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. And then Job 2.1 Again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And Job, last one is Job 38.7 When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So those are references to angelic beings. And if you go to Genesis 6, 2, and 4, uh, this is a, a bit about interpretation. If you say, well, I think that the term in Genesis 6, 2 refers to angels, and they say, well, they think the term in Genesis 6, uh, 2, and 4, you know, excuse me, uh, refers to like the, the line of Seth or, or big people or whatever it is then the, mm-hmm. what happens logically is that the term in the context is now to be examined and the context doesn't tell us exactly. It just says the sons of God, doesn't say what they are. So what we then do is see how the term is used elsewhere. And in other contexts, it's in the context of angels. So then we can rest assured that it's in reference to angels. Okay? I've even, uh, oh, thank you for, for that. Yeah, yeah. I've sure. even heard that in, in Jude, since Jude quotes um, scripture that alludes to Enoch, that they've used a passage from Jude to support this as well. I, I've yes. said these things, but I can't get them to budge. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, but it's uh, Jude 6, okay? And, and uh, angels who did not keep their own domain but abandon their ab- proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under the darkness of, for the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, etc. So they went after strange flesh. So, and I'll also go to Daniel 2, and I'll show you something there. But the Jews uh, universally taught that the Nephilim, uh, that the sons of God in Genesis 6 were fallen angels. 
And if they want to say that can't have relations with women, just show me a scripture where it says that that's the case, that they can't. And they say, well, show me where it does. Well, right there in Genesis 6. And since angels can appear, we can't even recognize them. They can appear as people. That means with sweat. That means hair. It means uh, on your, your face. I mean, you can't even tell that they're not angels. So they have the ability to manifest in great detail. And so this is what the church taught until the 500s, and also what the Jews always taught. And here's something else, okay? This is out of Daniel 2.43, which I always like to put together with this to show people, is that this is Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and it's uh, of the statue, uh, gold, silver, bronze, and then the feet are with uh, clay and uh, dirt. And the, the latter, the clay and the dirt, deals with the last time, the end times. So, in, in, in eschatology. And it says in verse 43 of Daniel 2, and in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another. So they'll combine with one another in the seed of men. Well, the they can't be the seed of men. Because they're combining right. with each other in the seed of men. So what is the they that's going with the seed of men? That's a sexual thing. So go to there and show them. And that's at the end times. And when you go to Matthew 24, 37, it says, As it was the days of Noah, so shall it be the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Noah, I believe that Noah's flood was there to destroy the Nephilim. I, my opinion is that the Nephilim was a, a breeding program authored by the devil to thwart the arrival of the Messiah by negating the uh, the genealogical line. And if you go to uh, Genesis 6, 9, it says, these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his, and it says, in, in uh, Hebrew it says, in his generations. Is his ancestry was Oh, pure. wow. Yeah. And the, okay. the, the passage from Daniel is new. Um, so, bouncing to the Jude, uh, if I can ask a follow-up, though, I have the time. Sure. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Does that mean the sin of the angels is because they were, they're not supposed to, you know, and it's clear, the scripture's clear in heaven, they don't take wives. Is that their sin, that they came down, abandoned their posts, for lack of a better term, and committed sexual morality, and then it, it uses and to compare it to yep. Sodom and Gomorrah. So it's saying yep. the angels had sexual immorality? Yep, just like the people of homosexuality and all the LGBT mob that was going on back then. And Jesus gotcha. says it was the days of Noah. So Sodom and Gomorrah is tied to the days of Noah in Jude. It looks like it. And Jesus does so. And so it might be that the present time, if it is the end times when Christ comes back, that the rise of homosexuality in its aggressiveness and demand and takeover will oppress the righteous. So, it's something to think about. Okay? Well, thank you so much. Okay. You have a nice You're time, welcome. okay? You too, man. God bless. All right. God bless. God bless. All right. Let's get to, uh, let's see, Grant from Utah. Grant, welcome. You're on the air. Hi, I doing. Um, I got a question about uh, Michael Brown. Okay. You know uh, the person, Michael Brown, yeah. the mm -hmm. the Jewish guy. Yep. yep. 
he says he says that he was a Calvinist before. Now he's not, and he says that Calvinist is is wrong. Okay, he could say that. So, yeah, I'd be glad to debate him on it. Um, I've got his cell number, and uh, you know, I haven't talked to him for a few years. Um, I asked his advice on something right. once when I called in the Daily Show. And uh, yeah, right. he's a good guy. He loves the Lord. And um, he's friends with uh, James White, who's a well-known Calvinist. And, and they've had their friendly discussions and disagreements. And uh, right. But I disagree with uh, with, with uh, Dr. Brown on that. I totally disagree with him. I'd be glad to have a nice, friendly discussion live with him and say, well, what about this? What about that? And, you know, go through and show some stuff. That's what I would do. But uh, he's a brother in Christ. And, you know, right. see... Here's some people will come along and they'll say, "Well, Calvinism is just wrong." Well, then if I'm a Calvinist and I'm saying Pelagianism is just wrong or Arminianism is just wrong, but I don't say that. Right. I don't try and cause right. division in the body of Christ. What I say is I don't agree with many of the aspects of Arminian theology, but the brothers right. and sisters in Christ, and I leave it like that because I don't want to cause division, and we've got to make sure that we don't. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I listen to him occasionally, but when he starts bashing on Calvinism, he, I just shut it off or turn to something else. Well, uh, if you, you could know. find, this is one of the things I want to do. I wanted people to, if they could, because I don't have time to research every single thing, is they could find right. me videos from Leighton Flowers, from you know, uh, from Dr. Brown, and uh, and say, hey Matt, look at this this video. Here's the URL, and this is the uh, the moment, you know, like 23 minutes and 18 seconds. Start there, and this is what he says. Then I'll look, mm. because right. sometimes people give me a video, it's two hours long. He go, this is where the, he said it. I'm just going to delete it. I'm not going to look. You don't have time for that. Right. So if people do that, yeah. then I'll do. I want to sit in this very, well, not this chair, I'm a new chair, but I want to, I want to uh, then put the videos up on the screen and start analyzing them and going to do commentary. Right. That's what I want to start doing. Okay. Right, yeah, okay. and well, you know, I, I'm a new Calvinist, I guess, because I okay. finally um, seen the light. I guess you would say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I use, I, like I was mentioned before, that I grew up in a not I wouldn't say grew up in, but I attended Assemblies of God Church for a while, mm, and I've okay. come to find out I read. I read myself, and I come to realize that a lot of the things they were teaching was not from the Bible. You got that right. Assemblies of God, I, I wouldn't trust I, that denomination. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just kind of just drew away from that and started reading my own, and I, I am very leery about going to other churches when they... because it, it, everything is, is, is messed up. You know, there's a lot of heresies being preached, and I just seek the truth, and that's where my heart is set, to seek the truth. And yeah. I, I listen to yours because I hear a lot of truth in it. And I just, I just, I, I try not to miss a day without you listen, without listening to your shows because it's very, wow. um, um, like the like the Bible says, shine, iron sharpens iron. And and I, I just want to grow in the Lord, and I, I do it the best I can to do it. But like Paul says, I do the things I shouldn't do, but I, do, I don't yeah. do the things I should do. Right. Yep. And I just, 
they just want to just pray for me, you know. <laughs> um, I'm I'm in 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 the Utah where everybody's like Mormonism yeah. and and, yeah. and everybody wants to be God. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get down there every now and then because I'm I'm up here in Idaho in the Boise area, and the music's going to start yeah. here any second. If it hasn't already, because it should have by now. But um, I get down there every now and then. I'll let people know when I get down there. Maybe we can meet at a restaurant, a bunch of us, and uh, be fun. Okay? All right? Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. God bless. Okay. God bless.